Welcome to the IMDb Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and doing a podcast over here, boss. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'd love a night in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a start. I was was just watching that scene where it's like, if you do this, spend night in a box. Do this, spend night in the box. I'm just like, man, night in a box. Not bad. And today we'll be breaking down the prison classic, Cool Hand Luke. Dan, good to see you again, my old friend. How are things? Very good. It's very good to see you too. Is it? I mean, take it or leave it, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> well, you would. <laughs> oh, we're on fire tonight. Starting early. You been All drinking? Right. No. <laughs> it's my two litres of coffee today. Two litres of coffee. You're a fiend. Got to stay awake somehow. Anyway, how have you been this last week? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Anything new and exciting happen in your life? Well, it's interesting that you ask because I do it every week. I actually um, I interviewed someone for a job today. Your job. And it's the first time ever that I've read a resume, and this was a pretty professional resume, I must say. Interests, movies, and podcasts. I was like, what? <laughs> I literally circled it. He came in for the interview. I was like, mate, um, I noticed you like movies and podcasts. <laughs> He's like, yeah, why? Do you um do you like podcasts? Do you listen to anything? I was Where did like, you start? Well, you should head on over to <laughs> imdbjourney.com. <laughs> oh, man, it was funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Actually... He was probably really freaked out about it. Oh, <laughs> like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Trying to get a job here. He's just, yeah. No, don't worry about your qualifications, though. Let's start with podcasting. <laughs> Uh, am I getting a job? No, 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 no. You're not unqualified for this. Let's do a podcast. No, you're not, but you can guest spot on our Pod v Pod. That's <laughs> uh, brilliant. I, uh, I've been injuring myself a lot these days, multiple times this week. Doing what? Uh, I stupidly didn't look behind me at work and I tripped and hurt my lower back this week. Quite painful still at the moment. I was mowing the lawns barefoot yesterday like a badass. And, like uh, an idiot. No, nah, no, nah, just badass. And uh, walked over a plastic tube that was a little sliced up, so I sliced the bottom of my heel open. Um, yeah, that's been my week. Painful injuries. You fell over because you were walking backwards like a dickhead, and then you cut your foot because you were mowing barefoot. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing you got injured this week. Legend. Mm. You know, we've been talking for a little while since you got here. Did you even notice that the beard's been trimmed? Your beard? Yeah. You did look a little fatter when I came back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone has said that. <laughs> I don't recommend you trim that low, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I, I was trimming it down and- one- Sort of lost your neck there a bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I was trimming it down and I'm like, oh, I've trimmed this side down a bit. You know, I'm just going to go back to the old goatee for a bit. So I did it. Did you completely shave? Oh yeah, this the was all. This was all. This was a couple of days ago, and yeah, it was like all shaved. And I looked at myself, and went, "No, oh, god damn it!" <laughs> oh dear. Like I didn't realize when I was shaving my beard, I was going to shave my neck off as well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the stubble's back, and the beard will be back in a couple of days. So oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, 
you didn't even realize that it was gone. Well, I was being polite, but if you're asking me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't lie. Come be like, hey, you going, fatty? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hendo, before we get into Cool Hand Luke, what else are we doing today? Well, Dean, after the breakdown, we'll get some listener feedback on the film too. We'll check out some answers to the question of the week, which is, what is your favorite prison film? Which will also be our top five for the week. We'll also look at the results of last week's Pod v Pod 9, and we'll look at the round of eight in our best 1940s movie tournament. Plenty to get into. Dean, I actually did a guest spot with Calvin on a podcast about something recently. We talked about time travel movies. Yeah, I did listen to that. It was pretty good. Pretty good. You certainly know your uh, time travel movies. Definitely a big discussion about The Terminator and Back to the Future. It was oh, a good time. Spoiler alert. Jesus. <laughs> spoiler alert. Come on. And Summer in Time, of course. Yes, I did mention Summer in Time just for you. All right, but please go ahead and check that one out. We had a good time over there. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's been happening in the IMDb Top 250 list? All right, a couple of small changes here. We've had Psycho move over American History X to number 32. Get fucked. <laughs> really? Yes. What is wrong Don't with people? It's so vicious. Oh, considering the movies, I think it's warranted. Eh, it's fine. Take it or leave it. We've been keeping an eye on Infinity War recently. It's actually dropped from 49 to 52. That's fine. Yep, yep that's fine. Apocalypse Now has moved over Memento to number 49. Okay. No, you don't want to Disappointing. bite my head off over that one? Well. I didn't change them. You're wrong. We see that Coco's moved down from 66 to 69, moving up Dark Knight Rises, Old Boy, and Aliens. Your Name has gone down from 77 to 79, moving up Return of the Jedi and M. And Double Indemnity has moved down from 88 to 90, upping Three Idiots and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Were you one of them? The three Idiots. Obviously. <laughs> Well, we'll My humour and- is so wasted on you. We'll have to wait and find out, won't we? <laughs> but that's it for the top 100. We mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody last time. I believe we said it debuted at a number 138. Yep. It's now at 123. Really? Gone up. Wow. We'll have to see it. Speaking of 2018 films, A Star Is Born has dropped from 176 to 216. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, a bit rough there. Going back a year, we see that Blade Runner 2049 and La La Land have both moved from 228 and 229 to 234 and 235. A little bit of drop there for them. We also see that Tangerines has moved out of the danger zone from 244 to 239. And right down at the bottom here, out of the list is A Wednesday, PK, Suarez, and Three Colors Red for gems there. I haven't seen any. And in the list now is Winter Sleep and Eight and a Half. And I'm sorry to say, Dean, that Dog Day Afternoon is still not in the list. <laughs> ah, it's a shame. All right, before we get into Cool Hand Luke, as always, just a quick warning that we will be spoiling it from the get-go. So if you haven't seen it and you are adverse to spoilers, stay clear. So we'll take a quick break here, give you a promo from a couple of awesome podcasts out there, and we'll be back for Cool Hand Luke. Hey, folks. Biggie here with some breaking news. My podcast, Karaoke Biggie, was just named the number one karaoke podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Well, you shouldn't. That category definitely does not exist. My co-host Kevmo and I are in a league of our own when it comes to podcasts. So why don't you check out the world's best, well, probably only, karaoke podcast. Karaoke Biggie. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or or wherever else you get your podcast. Or you can check us out at karaokebiggie.com. Come on by every Tuesday and give us a listen. And remember, you can't be a star if you don't shine. Hello, everybody. This is Jason. And Aaron. And we are the hosts of the For Better or Worse podcast. Like most couples, we have pretty different tastes. There's a lot of things we agree on, of course, but it can be pretty difficult to find something to watch at the end of the day. 
She likes comedies, love stories, and dramas. And he likes anime, horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. So we both thought it would be fun to force each other to watch our favorite movies, shows, or anything else we can think of and record it here for you guys. The show is a lot of fun and it's not always torture. Sometimes we actually come around to each other's side. We would love for you guys to give us a shot. So download for better or worse anywhere you listen to your favorite shows and join us in the fun. We can't wait to share our experiences with you. released in 1967 starring well Paul Newman and hey, jo- hey, hey, George hey, Kennedy George Kennedy George Kennedy was my next one to say anyone Don't else make out like Dennis Hopper only- of course oh Harry Dean Stanton sorry Dean Stanton of course that's about it that's not bad like it's no, not a I massive I didn't say it cast. was bad oh you're like oh it stars Paul Newman it is it's Paul Newman it. it's like George Kennedy won the bloody Oscar for this that film. That is true. He won Best give Supporting the man, Actor. Give the man some respect. Do you know George Kennedy from anything else? Yes. What? Do you? Yeah, Naked Gun. Is that it? Yeah. You've seen him in something else. Have I now? Yep. Is that the OJ Trolls? No. He played <laughs> the villain. Oh, one of the one of the villains. One of the main characters in Charade. Well, I'm not going to remember that. I That's seen an that amazing years. film. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I can't remember him being in it. I remember Walter Matthau was in that before he was old and grumpy- and okay. a man, <laughs> grumpy old man. Speaking of Oscars, Paul Newman was actually nominated for the Best Actor Oscar for this film. Yeah, the movie was also nominated for Best Writing from a screenplay based on material from another yeah, medium. That's is, how it was called. Yeah, it's, it was adapted. nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And also for Best Original Score. Interesting. Hmm. So according to Jack Lemon's son, Chris Lemon, Jack was originally selected to play the part of Luke, but after reading the script, he thought that Paul Newman would be better. So he actually decided to produce the movie instead. So this film had a budget of roughly $3.2 million and got a worldwide gross of $16 million. Sounds low. Are we going to talk about inflation again? No, (laughs) no, we won't. Okay, I understand. It's old. That was probably a lot of money. Well, look at it from the budget to the gross. Very profitable. Yes, exactly. That's all that matters. Well, quality of the film also matters. Mm, To some people, it's all about money. Not to us, though. So, director Stuart Rosenberg actually wanted the cast to internalize life on a chain gang, so he banned wives on the set. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I'm not sure why they needed to be banned. Surely the guys would have been more than happy with it. They got Joy Harmon around, obviously, to keep him company. Well, maybe they used that pent-up energy in that scene to make it look more believable. And with an average of 8.1, over 143,000 ratings, it currently sits at number 172 on the list. So, Dean, where's your plot summary? Courtesy of IMDb. A laid-back southern man is sentenced to two years in a rural prison, but refuses to conform. All right, Dean, let's get into it. Violation. Violation. In red, pops up. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Very ominous music as well. Of course. And we get our protagonist, Luke, walking around, chopping the heads off these meters. In a drunken manner. He drinks a beer, he walks to the next meter. He does the same. He takes his time with it, though. What, oh, it's very puts slow. puts it on there, and he just casually spins around it. And we see, like, when it pans up, we see there's a heap of poles without their heads on it. Yeah. He's got a... Like, he's drinking beer. He's got a bottle opener for his necklace. Really showing us how much of an alcohol he is at this point. They also show how much Paul Newman is in this film, because the, the camera pans up from his feet to the top, and then, bang, Paul Newman comes on the screen right when his face is there. This is a Paul Newman movie, if you don't know. I mean, he would have been A-lister at this point stage, wouldn't he? Absolutely. 
Yeah, he's really boozing it up here, taking apart these parking meters. He really seems to have no real reasoning for doing it. Yeah, I found that too. I found, I don't know, I felt like the filmmakers were trying to get us to think he was cool. Maybe it's just because the movie was called (laughs) Cool Hand Luke that I'm thinking, all right, this Luke, he's going to be really cool. And we're seeing him, he's smiling when the cops come. He's just this drunk idiot. And I felt like we're meant to think as endearing at this point. I didn't at all. It was awkward. It didn't look cool at all to me. What do you think? He's is is he not a rebel without a cause? He's the new James Dean. Okay, you think so? I think he might be at this time. This the he's the sixties James Dean. All right. I mean, I can see the the boyish charm. He's got a baby face. He does those blue eyes. Yeah, good eyes. Yeah, like he really just wants to do it because he wants to do it. He's. I guess you could say he doesn't conform to the social norms of not taking the heads off the meters. You could say that, and you did. Actually, did you know those parking meters are still like that to this day? Yeah, I did read that. It was filmed in California, and they're still there. So people can go there and see them. Poles in the ground. We should go see them. Get some pictures of those poles. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like you said, the cops show up, he's sitting there all smiling, and then you get cool hand Luke. On the bloody screen. Mm. And then, smash cut. We're in prison. Good. Yep. I love that we get straight into the prison here. There's no mucking around with this movie. No trials or court scenes. I mean, just r- court, taking prison. the heads off the meters, what would the trial look like? Guilty. <laughs> I just, this is the stupidest reason I've ever seen for someone being sent to prison in a film. Our main character spends the entire film in prison because he was taking parking meters off. Drunk and disorderly and vandalism. It's probably very hefty in the 60s, in the South. Surely everyone was drunk and disorderly in the South in the 60s. What else is there to do other than... <laughs> Are we going there again? <laughs> Drink whiskey and fuck horse. <laughs> no, I think we've moved past that. But I just think, come on, you can't not agree with me. This reason for him going to prison is ridiculous. Especially for the sentence, two years... Like, has, obviously, we don't know. Did he have any priors? Has he done this before? Has he got off with a warning? Yeah. Maybe give us a little something there if he's going to prison for this. I really think they could have done a better job of giving him something else to go to prison for. Drunk, like, drunk driving and taking out a building, driving into a chemist or something in his car. Yeah, may- yeah, okay. Maybe accidentally falling asleep at the wheel drunk. No, but we need him to be doing it on purpose. We need him to have this carefree attitude. If he accidentally drove into a chemist, you know, that's like, okay, that was an accident if he did it on purpose maybe he could deliberately drive into like a liquor shop and take some more no then he's a complete asshole he is an asshole no this one he's more happy-go-lucky he's like eh, whatever i'm just knocking parking meters off who cares he needs to be not accessible but he needs to be likable still sympathetic if he was to purposely drive his car drunk into a building i don't think he can really sympathize with this guy anyway they're out on the road chopping up these weeds with his weed whackers you ever seen these weed whackers before no we have lawnmowers now Whack of the weeds, E-Balls. Did they not have lawnmowers back then? They're not, they're you think not they're mowing. Giving, you think they're giving lawnmowers to the prisoners? They want them out doing hard labor. Let's, let's give them these giant weapons with spiked edges on them. While I carry guns. A lot of good they do. Well, they kill Luke. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. <laughs> it's still fresh. Just like that just like that grass they whacked. Seems, seems like a really, really pointless job. Well, they're, they're prisoners. They just want them to go out and work. Can they really be trusted to do actual things that need to be done? Just get out there and- These are not murderers. This is the most 
Relax. One guy's in for manslaughter. Is, yeah. Is manslaughter murder? It's second degree murder. No, it's not. It's manslaughter. You have no Acc- idea. Accidental murder. You have no idea what manslaughter is. Accidentally killing someone. It is the slaughter of a man. Literally. Wow. The slaughter Thank you for clearing that man. up. Manslaughter is slaughtering a man. Okay, I did love the shot here, though, where we get that zoom in on Boss Godfrey's aviators. The man with no eyes. We get it a lot. We do, but this is the main one. This is the one where it really goes in, and we see the clear division here between the guards in one eye, eye, sure, and the prisoners on the other. I thought it was good. Good shot. Good symbolism there. It was. Looking behind the scenes a bit, we found out that Morgan Woodward, who played Boss Godfrey here, actually remained in character during breaks between the scenes. He'd just sit in his chair with his glasses and not say a word to anyone. Yeah, true method acting He was the 60s Daniel Day-Lewis. I reckon he loved not talking to people so much while they were filming. They were just like, man, I could just keep this up. This is great. (laughs) He was actually supposed to have a lot more lines during this film. Who? Boss Godfrey. The one that never speaks. He speaks. Oh, briefly at the end. Yeah, he was supposed to have a lot more lines in this film, but director Stuart Rosenberg actually thought that his voice didn't match to his appearance. His voice was a bit more... Feminine? Said a bit more cartoony, a bit more light. So they did strip all the dialogue from him to help establish him as his character. Ouch, that, that ev- hurts. That everyone will remember. I'm glad they did, because I think him not speaking definitely makes him more memorable. Why do you think they keep that line in later on, that Luke fetch the rifle? <sighs> they shouldn't have. No, they should have had someone else say it. Yeah. So anyway, this is where Luke does show up to the prison. Mm-hmm. Very, it's not the prison you expect. You think a prison movie? No, it's not what you expect. Oh no! Like no. there's no bars. I'll say it now. The only thing I knew about this movie going in was it was a prison movie with Paul Newman. That is literally it. Yeah. Oh, this is your. That's right. This is your first time watching yeah, it. First time watching. Yeah. So what did you think when you saw that this wasn't your typical prison movie? I mean, I was very surprised. I was. I mean, it's a very, very low security prison. It's very laid back, like... Extremely laid back. But there's nowhere... Well, obviously, there's places to go, but they feel like you're in, in like, an open field. You're going to get caught pretty quickly. So, it's like, you're a bit lenient, but realize that we still have the guns, we're still in control. Maybe that's what it was like in the South in the 60s. I mean, I'm sure it was. They didn't make it up. But we get the captain come out here. What'd you make of the captain? Very chill. Extremely chill. And he comes across, like, I think that... Listen to what he's saying. He says that it's all up to you whether he's a good guy or a mean son of a bitch. I really didn't get that mean son of a bitch character trait from him much at all in this film. Only when Luke starts to escape. Yeah. Yeah. Even then, it's... The mean son of a bitch... It's gentle. ...is Boss Godfrey, the man with no eyes. He's the mean son of a bitch. They just try to talk to him, and all you get is zoom into the eyes. Yeah. It's like, oh, Jesus, all right. Yeah, and that's, that's what I mean. That's the extent of the cruelty here. Ooh, we get a zoom... So they get their prison uniform on here. We get Carl the Floorwalker. He likes to talk about a night in the box. Loves nights in the box. He rattles off so much. Was there anything that wouldn't get you a night in the box? Breathing? I'm not sure. Breathe loudly, night in the box. I started to write down the first couple, then I realized what he was doing. It's just virtually everything. Yeah. And like the way he's saying it, it's so particular, so pedantic. You've got to have your he's top sheet here, this. your middle sheet here, your bottom sheet here. If you don't do it right, spend night in the box. Do this or you're in the box. Do this, in the box. I'm just like, wow, if this was me, I'd be overwhelmed. And you look You at, wouldn't want to do anything. And you look at Luke and he's just like chuckling yeah. silently. He mimics him like, night in the box. Like He knows. I'd be freaking out. Yeah, you buckle under prison rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'd be the bloody big man on campus. Absolutely. Even in the next scene where one of the other inmates, seemingly one of some stature among them, turns out to be Dragline, is telling the new guys how it all works. And Luke is just 
like with his back to him, just laughing away. It's like this is demeanor. You it's his, you're it's just his starting. Whatever. You're starting trouble here. It's not smart. And like the guy's like, oh, come play cards with us. He's like, nah, I don't want to. Like it's your first day in prison. You're being offered to like sit down, become a part of this. And he's like, nah, what an idiot. He doesn't conform to society. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem like he. Oh, he doesn't conform. He seems like a dumb move. Maybe this is his way of ingratiating himself into by going against it. Yeah, and then coming back stronger. No, that's stupid. Which we see later on in the boxing match. Mm. I do feel for him though at night. That light bulb next to his it's eye. So loud. Everything. It's all. Oh, so much sweat. I'm pretty sure I heard that this is the sweatiest movie ever made. Everyone is just sweating. It's so hot. The lights are on, so loud. Getting out the bed there, boss. Like, so much of that. Like, oh, this would be... I want, I just, I'd rather an, a place of my own in prison. Give me a, give me bars. Give me my own little quarters. I don't know. I think I'd rather the openness of it, to be honest. I feel like if you have your own cell, you can get raped a lot more easily. Whereas if you're in this <laughs> okay. open environment, I feel like there's less chance of some anal rapage. Yeah, there was very little... Uh, rapage. I mean, what's going on? Prison sort of cliches. Call this a prison? Where's our uncomfortable walking scene? So it's the next morning here and you see all the prisoners heading out into the trucks. It's still showing the hierarchy of the prisoners. you got drag lines still basically in charge of everyone here. Yep. Swindling all the new prisoners out of their money. Like, they're going, oh, you know, I'd, I'd pay a dollar to get that job. It's like, oh, I've got a dollar here. Like, oh, why don't you give me the dollar then? It's like, it means nothing. They're just, t- just taking a dollar off him. I did feel bad for that guy when he went up to the guard and he's like, oh, you know, like, I've got to tell you that um, I'm actually on the broom job today. He's just like- Back in line. Back in line. Well, lesson learned. Wasn't he didn't get injured or hurt because of it? He just, he just realized he lost a dollar. So ah, they got me. I know now not to do that again. Mm. I did mention about how sweaty everyone is. This is where they really portray how blistering that heat is. You get that overbearing sun. Yeah. Oh, they do it all the time. It's not just here. They do it a lot. But I feel like this part here, they have a lot of focus just on the sun, the rays that blurriness that you get with that sun. Mm. Everyone's red raw in this movie. Take off the shirt, boss. Take off the shirt, boss. Take off the shirt. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we get a decent introduction to Boss Godfrey, where he gets his rifle to shoot the bird. And you get this little conversation here. Don't ever talk. Think you just said something. Yeah, I mean, it's just very corny. It's just showing how powerful he is without saying anything. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that line, to be honest. Okay. It was a bit silly. Moving on then. Back at the prison. Yeah. And finally, we see some sort of, you know... Consequence. Power from the guards, which we almost never see in this film. But we get this guy who's put in the box for supposedly complaining about the work earlier. It's his first day. I don't mind the move from the guards. I'm pretty sure he got put in the box for not performing so well on the road, not holding his own. Oh, okay. I mean, who knows? I do. They said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they show us what it's like to spend the night in the box. Yeah. And I didn't think that's what the box was. I thought it was going to be something like they threw you in the ground and put the the wood, the plank over you. It's actually like an outhouse. Putting you in the ground would be much better. Be nice and cooler, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine so. The that box would be hot. They give you two buckets. What do you think they're for? Ones and twos. What else could they be for? One's not a little bucket of water to drink. No, they're not giving you. The other water. one's some food, maybe a towel. What? Hello, blankets. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in this prison. <laughs> No, obviously they are four. Do you need a ones bucket? There's enough holes in the wood. You're not going to mix your ones and twos, are you? I didn't say that. 
Don't hole always... in the wood. Hold on. So you think they're wanting guys to stick their dick out? They'll, they'll, they'll watch the box and you see this little pecker come through. Oh, taking a whiz. Taking a whiz, Taking a whiz, boss. Taking a whiz. Yeah, you'd love that, wouldn't you? A glory hole in the hot box. <laughs> you just sit by it waiting patiently. Oh, there's the bumper. The, glor- the box glory hole. Glory hole in the box, boss. <laughs> So the other inmates are trying to go to sleep here, and we get this interaction between Dragline and Luke starting to get a bit hostile here between them. This is where Dragline basically says, you want to fight? We'll fight. Because hmm. they established earlier on that boxing matches are on Saturday. Very odd. Well, you want a little your anger out? Yeah, punch the shit out of each other on a Saturday, on the weekend. Yeah, one of the more memorable scenes of the film here. The guys are all out working, sweating up a storm as usual. And we see this pretty little blonde come out to wash her car. Lucille. Look at these pervy bastards. Mind you, I imagine if you were in prison, this would be an absolute goldmine to witness. Get off it. If you saw that right now, you would think it was a goldmine as well. You would not have to be in prison to I'm look sorry, at that. I'm sorry, we see go, that every Ooh. day in advertisements and all that. Advertisements? People, girls in bikinis washing the cars, like, ooh, buy our car. What? I, I need a new car. What advertisements? You don't watch TV, do you? No, Ads. No, I don't watch TV. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Apparently, Joy Harmon almost refused to do the role as filmmakers told her to get stoned beforehand to get her in the right frame of mind for the scene. She refused, and obviously, they ended up letting her do it unstoned. I did also read that she thought that she was so mild-mannered, she didn't even realise what it was going to be about. Like, she didn't realise the sexual nature of it. She thought I she was just get cleaning the car. Like, come She's on. covering herself in soap, caressing her big titties, rubbing them up against the glass. I mean, there's no way it was anything else but what she's doing. Yeah, it's really showing... The small pleasures, I guess, these inmates are reveling in. Small pleasures? Uh, maybe I wouldn't say you. they were small. Like, the things that are basically just out of their reach. You see them talking, and even Dragline, the way he's talking, he's like, oh, I want piece of that biscuit, or he just keeps going. On. And, like, the way, they're, the way they're shoveling the dirt seems to be kind of a euphemism for what else they should be doing at that point. Yeah. Almost as good as that scene, though, is the way it smash cuts to all these naked men in the shower together. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So, what have they been doing? Hope it was a cold shower. <laughs> having a whack there, boss. <laughs> having a whack, having a whack. Yeah, and they're all laying in bed, and Dragline will just not shut up about this Lucille. Like, I'm with Luke here. Just shut the hell up. You're not helping anyone. They're all trying to sleep. He's like, oh, uh, I, re- I, re- uh, I can't believe it. Oh. It's like, seriously, just calm down, mate. Change the sheets, boss. Change the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying your sheets not in the box. <laughs> but here we get the boxing match. I mean, Luke is clearly getting his ass beaten down here. And you see the inmates, they're laughing, they're cheering along. But as it goes along, the cheering stops, the fun and games have really gone a bit sour. Like, Luke is persistent and stubborn, I guess. What's he trying to prove? How stupid he is, probably. I think he's trying to get ingratiated with the inmates here. Oh, I don't think he's, he's a tough bastard. I don't think he's doing it to get ingratiated with the inmates. I don't think, from what we've seen, anything he's doing is trying to get him ingratiated with these inmates. So how does he get ingratiated then? Because of how cool he is. Because he doesn't want to be ingratiated. They're just like, oh, he must be really cool if he doesn't want to be with us. I so think- then they go to him. He doesn't go to them. They all surround him like, wow, look, it's Luke. It's Cool Hand Luke. But even My the ne- boy. Even in the next scene with the poker match, they reference the boxing match. Like how Dragline tells him, like, oh, just like yesterday, you know, you can't be, can't be knocked down. You, you keep going. You keep going. I think this scene and the poker scene coming up really get them involved with him. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They get them but impressed with him. I think he's doing him. it on purpose. He, oh, no, he's not doing it because he wants to see 
tough to these inmates. He's doing it because that's who he is. He will just keep on getting up and getting up. Nothing will put this man down. So you're saying this, okay, so you're saying that he's not doing this. It's not out of his character to do this, but it helps him. It helps. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I can definitely agree with that. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's doing it out of his own mannerisms. This did- is part of him. And it helps. Yeah. I did like the way that we saw Boss Godfrey and the captain watching on. Yeah. And you're well, sort of like, fight. oh, are they gonna are they gonna stop it? And it's almost like, are they getting angry with Luke? It's For the guards. Yeah, it's like yeah. this act of defiance. It's like, no, nah, I will not go down. It's sort of like giving these inmates that uh, that hope, I guess, of yeah. Oh, this movie is a lot about hope and dreaming and well, and Luke is like the beacon of that. Like a Christ figure. Hope will set you free. That's right. By the way, I do like the uh, the point of view shots, some of the fight, especially when Luke is trying to get up and you see the swaying back and forth just showing how sloppy he's getting. Actually, that fight scene between Dragline and Luke took three days to shoot for that simple boxing match. Actually, George Kennedy said they were both completely worn out from fighting and in Paul Newman's case, falling very hard onto the ground mm. three days in a row. Yeah, I did see that. That would really take it out of you. Yeah. But this poker game, this is basically where we see Luke getting ingratiated into the crew with his strong, bold bluff. Yeah. I tell you, there's people who have played, like, No Limit Poker and them sitting there going, a buck, I'll raise you a buck, I'll raise you a buck, no, I'll raise you a buck. Ooh. Yeah, but- Can I call that last dollar? Okay, two things. One, it's set in the 60s. A dollar's a lot more valuable back then than it is now. And two, they're in prison. They don't have access to money like other people do. Every bit of money they have is much, much, much more valuable than whatever it's worth out on the outside, which is already a lot more than $1 would be worth now. So I don't think that the it's not a lot of money plays a lot into it. No, I don't mean it like that. I mean more in the mathematical pot odds kind of way, like... They, they convince the other guy, like, come on, put another dollar in. He's like, all right, I'll raise you a buck. And then Luke's like, raise a buck. And he's like, oh, no, i got to put I mean, another if, dollar. If you believe you beat, why put more in? <laughs> we're going to get into some kind of high-tech poker talk. No, we're not. No, we're not. We'll, just, we'll just ditch it. We'll go for the, the friendly movie poker yeah, that they movie, always do. Movie, movie, movie. I couldn't tell. I think they were playing five-card stud. They could have been playing seven, but... It was five. It was five, yeah. Five oh, that's right, because he rolls all the other, yeah, he rolls the one card over, he's clearly buffing. And that, in, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, Luke, you're so cool. Yeah. Cool hand, Luke. And that's where we get the birth of that name, when he does say... Sometimes nothing can be a real cool hand. <laughs> and this is where we get a visitor for Luke. He's sick, Mum. This is where we get the worst scene of the movie. Really? Oh, you didn't think so? Sets him up. This I is was a character development. out of my mind with this scene. We get some backstory about him. We find out he's the favourite son of the mum. Who cares? Honestly, it, all this does is trying to justify his big change of heart and his big change of attitude once he realises, not realise, once he's told that his mum's died. Is that not needed? It's needed. It's just super boring. You, I don't think it was boring at all. You get a nice bit of chemistry here. You find out about his mum. You find out about her problems. You find out a little bit about his family. And it sets it up so that when she does die... You kind of feel for him. You Mate, get, calm if you down. had none of this, I'm glad that you liked it. I just thought it was very dull. I was checking out big time in this scene. Are you waiting for some more time in the box? Just want some more joy. Is there anything wrong with that? You need to have the sorrow to get the joy. End scene. I have to riff with you when your jokes are that bad. Is that a joke? I hope so. <laughs> So anyway, they're out tarring the road now, which they actually did in real life in this scene. They tarred that whole road. Yeah, I did see that. What a lucky county that would have been. Luke essentially turns it into a game. Almost having fun with it. This is a very good scene. Yeah. 
does really show their playful side. Like the music is nice and joyful. And what scene. the fuck is with the music in well, this? Calm down. This is like nine news at night music. Yeah, for you Americans out there, this music is like very prominent in like Australian news broadcasting. Massively. Like this is this intro. I knew that immediately. I knew that immediately. I don't know what it's like. I don't know if that's popular in America, like if they used it both in America and Australia, but definitely in Australia. Like, all you Aussies out there, you should know. I was so thrown by this music. Yeah, it felt weird. It did. Yeah. I was waiting for... It made... Honestly, it made me think like, oh, wow, this is where all these news stations got this music from. Yeah. Like like a generic news Is this where it came from? I don't know. Did this music exist before Eyewitness News? I was expecting bloody Peter Harvey Canberra to come out and tell me the political report. Watch a lot of political reports, do you? If Peter Harvey Canberra is involved. So they all finish with two hours to spare here. What do we do now? Not work. Nothing. They all laugh together. What a joyous day. I was half expecting Boss Godfrey to shoot someone here. (laughs) Or at the very least... Give them more hours of work to do. But no, apparently in this prison, they get this massive break for working hard. Yeah. What kind of prison is this? An old 60s southern prison. Where's the brutality? I'm sorry, this isn't Brawl in Cell Block 99. I mean, it's been hinted at a couple of times, but we get nothing in this. They are cooperative inmates who work hard. You think they're going to have to like, smash someone with a butt of their gun to get some more work going? Yes. No, this is about... Male camaraderie. This isn't a movie about laying down the law and all these officials, how they're exuding their power. This is about hope and male friendship. I'm sorry, but I've seen another prison movie about hope. We're not talking about another prison movie. (laughs) It just feels hollow. What? This feels hollow because the prison guards aren't... Are so nice and accommodating. Yeah, because they're doing a good job. Why why are you going to break the spirit if they're working hard and fast? You want them to work slower. You want to beat them down so they can't, they physically cannot work. I thought the idea, as you said earlier, was just to give them something to do. Now they work harder, they got nothing to do. You're like, oh yeah, good job. Well done, guards, for getting the best out of your workers. Yeah. They're not employees, they're prisoners that they have to get to work for X amount of hours. They're prisoners for drunken disorderly. For the slaughter of men, Hendo. (laughs) This very act of slaughtering a man. I think you and I see this from a little differently. Yeah, I think so too. So now we get this uh, very iconic prison storyline, of course, where the inmates uh, bet each other how many eggs they can eat. Yeah, this scene is my Excellent! Really? Yeah, this is a, a great display of passing the time. Like, There's obviously not much to do while you're in prison, especially in this prison. So to invest in this insane bet would keep absolutely everyone busy. We see Luke running around getting into shape. They're stretching his stomach, thinking that would happen. They're trying to stretch his skin on the front. This whole scene is played off so well. It's so goofy. The music accompanies that tone. Paul Newman is great in this scene, having all the inmates feeding off what's happening, throwing bets as it's going along. Even the floor walker and the chef are getting involved here. What sort of prison... Has is, this what, is, this, is this what you're going to talk about? Has unlimited eggs on standby for these inmates. This took a while. They probably got these eggs in. It's not like, oh, let's do the bet. A, a five minutes later, here's the eggs. Like, excuse me, guard. We've got this little bet going. Can we have 200 eggs, please? I think no you're worries. Looking, Anything for you guys. I think you're taking this prison film and associating it with all these it's other- It's a prison film. Yes, but it is a different prison film to the ones you're definitely thinking of right now. I.e. every other prison film I've seen. What's wrong with a bit of a different prison film? It's just weird. Different isn't weird. Sometimes it is. This isn't the case. It's your opinion. 
So is that your contribution to the egg scene? No. Why do they have so many eggs? I got one. You nitpicking bastard. I mean, the scenes, it's not bad. Like, it's funny that he eats all these eggs. But, I mean, they actually had, I read, 200 hard-boiled eggs for this scene. Yep. Paul Newman apparently only ate about eight of them, and the rest were consumed by other cast and crew members through clever editing. I was watching this pretty closely. It looked like he ate a lot more than eight. They put a lot more in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at, when he's done, at the end, he's laying there. We get this just not subtle uh, pose from him, the Jesus pose, like he's on the cross. Yeah, this film, I've seen that is very tonally about Christ and faith, Jesus. I really didn't look too much into that. It's not really my thing. As you've heard from our Ben-Hur episode, Christianity, Jesus, it's not It's not our bag. What? Nothing. You've summed it up perfectly. Do you have something Christianity, else to say? Christianity, religion, it's not our bag. Obviously No, well said, bag. well said. But just on this uh, religious stuff, his prison number is actually 37. Yep. Okay. Now, I read that this is in reference to the Bible verse, Luke 1, 37. For with God, nothing is impossible. And I think that really does obviously play into his character and his motivations. Like, he keeps trying the impossible. I thought you thought he was a... He's an idiot. A, an arsehole, a bit of a... a I never dick. said arsehole. I said I'm pretty sure stupid. you did when he was going cutting down parking him. He's like, I mean, oh, well, he is an arsehole for doing that. If you saw some guy drunk cutting off bloody damaging city property, you'd think, what an arsehole. Just while we're on the, the egg-eating scene, I did have a question come to mind. How many eggs do you reckon you could eat in one go? Hard-boiled. Hard-boiled, like... You know I've eaten raw eggs before on a dare. What's that like? Shell included. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, it's so weird. Why would you do that? What, you just like... What do you mean? Did you crack them open or did you just like swallow the egg whole? Do you put the whole egg in your mouth and chew it? Yeah. Oh, what? So basically, like... What'd you win? You lost, didn't you? No, I think I think we were doing um, a tipping competition and I lost that week. And that was... We were doing all these um, yeah, dares in this group of us at work back in the day. And that week, the loser had to eat a raw egg, shell included. It's really hard to chew down a shell. No shit. Yeah. It anyway, was fun, though. It was really to, fun. Back to the question. Uh, how many do you think I could eat? Or how many do I think I could yeah, eat? really does depend on the egg. 20? 20? Maybe. Like, are we talking hardball? Like, really, like... Kind not of- grey. Not the bad grey stuff. Like a little soft? Like a perfectly hard-boiled egg. Yeah, just so- just that, that verge of... What do you think? I think it depends on the time limit as well. Like, if we just... What, you're 20 over an hour? Easy. Ooh. Is this a bet coming? <laughs> it's a lot of work to boil eggs. No, it's not! <laughs> so, next week when I come here... No, we're not doing <laughs> Look at you. I feel sick. Have you ever hard-boiled an egg? It's very easy. I don't know. I've, I don't think so. I do it all the time. It is very easy. Well, that is why you are my hero. Thank you, finally, <laughs> for recognising that. <laughs> yeah. Your ability to hard-boil an egg is second to none. <laughs> Everyone has one talent. I'm glad you found yours. All right. We get another day of work here. And I, I do like this scene. They see this snake. They all try to hit it. It's running away. Luke picks it up. Our hero, what Luke, a legend. of course. And Godfrey shoots it in the head. And Luke, I don't know what he's doing here. He's getting friendly. very cocky. Playful. He's, he's getting stick. playful with Boss Godfrey. Yeah, a bit cocky. Dumb, as I've said. He's just trying to engage with him. No one engages with him. <laughs> and Dragline warns him to be careful. I just, I really like the scene because it's the first time I actually felt there was really any danger to any of the characters here. The film, I felt at this point, it really needed to up the ante. This is about the halfway mark of the film. And I thought, all right, this is the bit. This can be the turning point. Yeah, this is the turning point. We this can that. be the turning point. 
Let's we see do. What we do need that Tony Moore because we can't have the whole movie just being this. Something yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. And another example of how soft and easy this prison is. It starts to rain, so uh, no more work, fellas, in the truck. Yep. You just think that's normal for a prison? Not anymore. For this prison, it is. Yeah. Back in the day, this is normal. Isn't not? <laughs> We're talking about a movie from the late 60s in the South. They were pretty aggressive in the 60s in the South, I'll have you know. I'm sorry, I don't think they've built massive stone prisons full of bars and shit back then. You don't need massive stone prisons to be brutal with these guys. Do they need to be brutal with them? Okay, we're going on this again. They're cooperating. They are working hard. They are not menacing. They are not trying to escape yet. They are taking all this time off because it's a bit wet outside. They are not trying to escape yet, and when they do, that's when the shit hits the fan. But if they're working hard and cooperating and being nice and friendly with everyone, why do they need to start kicking ass? We get this really key moment. Why make your job harder when these people are doing the right thing? I'm sorry. Do you have all your workers when they're working hard and that say, work harder, They're not do like more. prison, you idiot. It's a bit different. I'm uh, not sure how you treat your staff. I feel like you'd run your store like a prison. No, not at all. <laughs> but back to the film. We yeah. do get this uh, great line here from Luke, though. He says that... Oh, he can have this little life anytime he wants to. And I, I do think that is really important. Because he takes it. Exactly. But it's funny, like, it's raining, and I feel like they've never seen rain before, to be honest. Because oh, Luke's standing... I, th- I think so. Luke's standing out there, and it's what like... What is this? It's like, what are you doing there? You're going to get struck by lightning. That's seriously their reaction to him being outside at the moment. It's like, uh, this guy has a death wish. He's outside in the rain. But no, standing out there all day in the blistering sun, we'll go through that for sure. But this, you know, rain, oh boy. Get away I'm from pretty that. sure they're equally as wet when they're in the sun sweating, yes. <laughs> or they're in the rain. <laughs> like, what's the difference? Like, could you imagine Clancy Brown in the Shawshank Redemption telling prisoners to get undercover if they were working in the rain? Don't be ridiculous. Stop comparing it to other movies that came out 30 years later. Can't help myself. So this is where Luke gets his letter. He doesn't even open it. He just knows what it is. What? It's already... It's not a letter to open. It's a note that he looks at and says his mother's dead. He does not look at that. They put it on the table. He's from a distance anymore. He looks at it. I don't think he does. It says, Luke, cool hand, your (laughs) mum's dead. I'm sorry, I must have missed that close up. He just sees a letter and it's like, oh, nah. Of course there's... What what other letter would he be getting? I don't know. One from his mother saying, hey... I'm alright. Stay in there, favourite son. You're the man. You're so cool. Something like that. Like, he has people on the outside that care about him. Getting any letter just automatically means, oh, the mum's dead. Anyway, you see the respect. Anyway, yeah, you got nothing. No, you're full of shit. You see the respect he's gotten from all his inmates here. They all leave the area to give him space. I agree. What a remarkably polite and respectful (laughs) group of criminals here. No, really top group of blokes here. They all stand. Have they not set that up throughout the first hour of this film? Yeah, fair enough. They are set up as soft throughout. My God. No, but it's a, it's a nice scene of his heart. Here we go. What, what, you what do you got? What's your next quippy one-liner? What's your next zinger? There's no quip. I'm just saying. Luke sings, he cries. I actually think this is probably um, Paul Newman's finest acting scene. In the movie? In the movie. Yeah. Paul Newman was actually scheduled to do this scene around the start of filming, but insisted he wanted to actually learn the ukulele himself for the scene. Harry Dean Stanton was actually the person teaching him, funnily enough. They tried again about halfway through, but he wasn't good enough. And the director was like, they got in this big argument saying he couldn't do it. But Paul Newman persisted, and eventually, almost on the last day of shooting, he tried it again, and Rosenberg said no one else could have played it better. So well done, Paul Newman. Bravo, sir. It was a nice scene. He did well on this one. But they put him in the box after this because he might escape. What a bunch of assholes. Uh, That's sorry, what mom. I'm talking about. Sorry your mum just died. Get in the box. 
I thought, actually, I thought it was going the other way. When the captain comes out and starts talking about Luke's mother's death, I thought, wow, this is, this is ridiculous. We're going to take you to the funeral. Yeah, look, honestly, that's, I could have seen that happening. It would have fit quite nicely with his film. But no, they put him in the box because he might run away. Yeah, they might, he might try and run to the funeral or some shit. It's crazy. And who was once a, like a high-spirited Luke here that we've gotten to see expand over the course of his prison time. It's all but gone now. He is he comes out of this box. He is a shell of a man. He's finally down and out, and you can understand why he decides he's going to start busting out of this place. Mm. And here you get first attempt. Yeah. Seems like everyone's in on this one. Oh, clearly everyone's in on it. Making I just tons of noise to distract the guards. He soars through the bottom and crawls under. I was just... I found it a bit odd. We see another prisoner get under and make a run for it. Was that a distraction or was that he was he looking I, at it going, Oh, I'm gonna take this too? I think he was going for it. He gets yeah, you ca- dumb twat. Well, again, they all are. They get caught on the barbed wire and they get beaten. Yep. Then we see Luke was out. Yeah, he made, he got out earlier. Walking through a river. Didn't really see him get out. Like we saw the him soaring and then He in jumped river. in. Yep, that's fine. He got away. It was the other guy who made the noise. I was just wondering like, how long had this been planned? He where, did, where he's going. He's, where did he get the saw? Getting a saw, boss. Is it really this easy to escape? Probably in those prisons. The low security prisons that you're talking about. We get this cute little montage of Luke running around being chased by the dogs. Poor dog died. Did you think it was a real dog? That he was holding. Hmm. It's the 60s. Looked uh, remarkably impressive. Could have been. I think it might have been a real dog. But was it a real dead dog or was it a very well-trained dog? Oh, it's not trained. It's either drugged to Oh, there you go. It's absolutely drugged. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Big dog. Yep. But this whole reveal of the dog, all these fake-outs. Like, the guy drives up and he opens the back and yeah. you, you expect to see Luke coming out. No, it's the dog owner. And then again, he opens the boot and you expect to see Luke coming out. No, it's his dead dog. <laughs> Okay. And then the next time you see the couple up, it is Luke. They finally caught him. Yeah, but you don't see how they found him, how no. they captured him. None of that. It's just, oh, Luke's back. You don't see him you don't see it on the second one either. He's a massive smart-ass here, though. Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Kevin. Like, is, this a, is this a cry for punishment? Super like, sarcastic. I feel like he's just over it. Like, he's just doing this to do something. He doesn't care what happens. He's just down and out. Like, does he just want to feel something after what's happened? I mean, trying to kill himself? You could do that pretty easily. Oh, I guess they have access to saws, don't they? Yeah. And we get arguably the most famous quote of the film. Dan, you want to have a crack at this one? All right, I'll have a go. <clears throat> what we've got here is failure to communicate. Some man you just can't reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like this any more than you men. God. God, that's not, that wasn't bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a pass. All right, your turn. Because you got to get that that whisper into the what. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some man you just can't reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. I don't like this any more than you bet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's gold. I love it. Awesome. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you get what we had here last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. And I don't like it any more than you, man. Such a great line. Such a memorable line. Thanks to Guns N' Roses' Civil War song. Yes. Which is where I know it from. I've heard this line, you know, 20, 30 times probably. I've listened to that song. 
I had never known that it was from this movie. Number 11 on AFI's famous quotes. That is so high. It is big. Like, it's ridiculously high. I feel like every time I need to give a broad response, I'm just going to say to you, what? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Rosenberg was actually worried that audiences wouldn't believe that this redneck would speak in such an intelligent way. So he actually wrote a fictional biography for the guy explaining that he'd done a course in criminology. In the end, What is the point? In the end, no one cared and no one needed it. (laughs) Of course no one was going to (laughs) care. Like, he can't say communicate. He doesn't even say A. Yeah, so Luke explains to everyone what happened after he escaped, and they tell him, oh, you know, it's not going to be too long, you know, everything will calm down, you can have another another shot of it. Well, it happens like 10 minutes later. His escape? Yeah. This is so dumb. Like, you want to talk about- Shake of the tree there, boss. He's like, oh, I've got to go pee. Oh, okay, we'll let you go all the way over there. That, there's no way. In all fairness, Turn around, pull your dick out, and piss. (laughs) They shower together. Who cares? He's like, oh, got to have my privacy. Good point. Good point. Again, what kind of, what kind of prison is this? (laughs) What we've got here is a flaw in the prison system. (laughs) Some man just can't peek. In public. (laughs) So you get what happened last week. Another escape. No, but they, he starts uh, pulling the the branch with the, with the string. Yep. But he got Boss Godfrey shooting at him. What's wrong with that? He's escaping. They didn't know that at the time. He stops shaking the tree. And then he just stops shooting. Well, they got to chase him. He's obviously not still there. Just start shooting again. Now, we know Luke does a bunch of dumb shit in this movie, but this putting the chili powder and all that everywhere to get the scent from the dogs off of him, that was pretty good. Wasn't bad. I mean, it worked for a bit. Got the dogs off him. Yeah, that's right. He escapes and gets away. For a while. Oh, wait. He doesn't. But you don't find out how he does it, how he gets picked up again. You never do. Also, how did he get this picture in the magazine? I don't know how. Was Photoshop back in the 60s? And like, he got it printed in the magazine? It's weird. Yeah, this this is a bit iffy, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you say? There's no way this is possible. Did you notice the picture on the page next to it? I read something. What was it? The illusion that kills, and there's some guy who kind of looks like Boss Godfrey with a rifle pointing at the picture of Cool Hand Luke. Foreshadowing. Symbolism. Well, there's symbolism where it's literally the guard that's going to shoot him <laughs> pointing the gun at him. It's not an illusion. It's literal fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's foreshadowing. <laughs> Oh, and then, of course, so he's trying to escape for the second time. So we get this really, really harsh punishment of he's got to eat a bigger meal of rice on his plate. Yeah, because if he doesn't finish his meal, he'll go back in the box. He hasn't eaten in four days. He's never going to finish that meal. Yeah, it's crazy punishment. So he beat the shit out of him before he gets really, back, by the way. It's really nice. It's really nice that uh, the guards all let everyone just chip in and help. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? I think they do quite well. Next, when they make him dig the trench and then put the trench back in and then dig the trench again. This was good. I like that. And then give him a beat down every time he gives him a bit of sass. It was good. I'm not sure why he lunges at the guard, though. Like, Is that enough? What was he trying to accomplish there? Yeah, I think he's done. He's, like, exhausted. He's tired. He's not thinking straight. He's just whatever. I like how you have all the other inmates. They hang about. They stay there with him. They play the music. They're there for him. Brotherhood, camaraderie, spirit. Keeps him going for a little bit, at least. Yeah. And he finally breaks down. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, he breaks down. He says, oh, he's got his mind's right now. I won't ever do it again. And you cut to, like, I don't know how long later. It feels like a bit of time has passed. And he's just, like, Boss Godfrey's assistant. No. Before that happens, he heads back into the into the prison. And everyone just turns their back on him. 
like they're like, how dare you like grovel at the the mercy of the guards who are beating the absolute crap out of you and like like emotionally destroying you to the point where this is the only thing you can do. Like the guy tears up the picture of his supposed hero, this this icon of hope. Everyone just completely writes him off. What a pack of pricks. Brutal. They should have stood around and heard him sing some more. They could have supported him when he come back in. Have a drink. You did well to go so long. None of us could have held up to that torture. No? Oh, I don't know. But yeah, like you said, he becomes Godfrey's lackey. But do you think at this point he's covering it just so he can get the opportunity to get in the car? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's obvious. Yeah. It definitely it definitely looks odd the way he he's acting. He's all like happy and bouncing around. And even like someone like hip hip and shoulders him or like flicks the cigarette at him as well. Mm. Man, everyone just turns on him on a dime here. It's a bit weird. Anyway, Luke gets in the truck and we have our third prison escape. It was actually the shortest prison escape in the end, wasn't it? A couple of hours and they're found. Could have been. Dragline jumps in the car though. He does. Can I just say it's amazing how little we've talked about Dragline? He's a very prominent person in this movie. I mean, he's the second man character. We've barely mentioned him. And he won an Oscar. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like Dragline ends up jumping in the car with Luke here because he's seen this guy never give up and lose his ability to keep trying. He quickly realizes that Luke was just doing what the guards wanted him to do, and that spurred him to follow Luke wherever he goes. Yeah, so he's seen this guy escape twice now, get caught both times, and thinks, that's a good idea. Yeah. I better join him on his next failed attempt. He's not the smartest person. No, no, none of no. them are. So he's on the run for the third time here. He splits with Dragline. Ever so briefly. Because <laughs> Dragline heads off. Oh, they caught me. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, and I brought them back here. <laughs> 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 I didn't even invite you. <laughs> but he heads into the church and he has a, a very, word with God. Yeah, he gets very uh, introspective here. He does. Says he knows he's done bad things. Says he doesn't know how to fit in. He gets on his knees praying, asking for advice. What does he do? Gets no answer. He's got to come up with it himself. You could say that there was a failure to communicate. You could say that. (laughs) Dragline eventually comes in, says he's got to give himself up quietly. Play it cool. But they've told Dragline that, yeah, just we'll bring him out and it'll be all good. Luke does not believe this, obviously. How can anyone believe that? I believe they I mean, pretty easily, considering that the last few times they've just brought him in. It's gotten considerably worse each time. The second time they emotionally drain him, they've said to him, "You come you back to dig a hole. That's you do right. it. You do a third. You do, you do a third one. You're gonna get shot." They say it. Yeah. So for him, for Dragline to come and say, "Oh no, we thought we're gonna go back. We're gonna," and even Luke's like, "No, oh, we're just gonna go back. How is that, is that mm. how it's gonna be?" He knows it's all full of shit. So he walks up to the window, opens it up in direct line of the guards, and goes, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Bang! Yeah, I'll admit, I didn't expect that at all, considering the tone of this movie, the softness of it all. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He gets put back in the car, though. He smiles as the captain says he's going back to the prison, and a guard says he's not going to make it. I felt it was a nice moment. It's also my... Excellent! Yeah, fair choice, fair choice. The drag line also tackle down the boss Godfrey here. Yeah. Loses the glasses, the symbolism of the, the tire driving over the glasses, smashing them like he's he's won. Yep. He's, but just before it finishes here, we get a quick little bit at the end where they're back at the prison and drag line's explaining what happened. I feel like drag line's talking about this story is giving the guys the hope that they need. Like, he was smiling. He was happy. I'm sure they've all masked their conclusion to Luke maybe making it out alive. Like, he got out. He did it. Because they need that. They need that hope if they're going to survive in there. And they all end up on a happy note, thinking of what has happened. Luke got in the car. He was smiling. He Mm. got away. 
There's yeah. the hope. Yep. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on Cool Hand Luke? Uh, cool Hand Luke is an old movie, and it really feels like it. It feels very dated for me. It just feels so safe. The prison setting, as I've said, it's so forgiving and relaxed. You'd never get a prison movie now like this. There's very little tension to be found, despite hinting at more dire consequences a couple of times. The captain is memorable, if only because of his strange voice and unforgettable lines about failure to communicate. Also memorable is the silent glasses-wearing boss Godfrey, who threatens to be ruthless, but really does almost nothing until the very end. Dragline would, despite not mentioning a lot, probably be my favourite character. He's likeable, he seems smart, and the performance from George Kennedy is great. As for the titular Luke, I just couldn't get on his side at all. He goes to prison for a stupid reason, only has to do two years. Everyone likes and respects him, but he throws it all away, trying to escape again and again, with no plan whatsoever as to what to do next. I basically see him as committing suicide by the end of the film. He's happy to die, and his actions continually put him in a position to get killed. For what? Ultimately, Cool Hand Luke came off as very empty to me. Bit of a disappointment. What about you, Hendo? Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. It's a really solid look at a happy-go-lucky guy who gets beaten down by the system to become a former shell of himself, only to become a beacon of hope to his surrounding comrades as they serve their time in prison. Paul Newman is his charming self as always. George Kennedy is really good too. The cinematography really conveys the harsh rays of the heat and the sunlight and how brutal it would have been to work outdoors in those conditions in that era. The film itself keeps you engaged from start to finish as we see the budding friendships building along the way. That being said, it's not a great film per se. There's nothing that completely stood out for me. Everything was fine. I enjoyed watching it, but won't be rushing out anytime soon to watch it again. A fine film that I would recommend people check out if they haven't already. I'd be shocked if I ever watched this film again in my life. Don't think you will. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Hendo, where do you put this on your ranked films that we've done? Okay, it's been a while since we've been down this far. I'm going to start at the bottom, at number 25. It's better than A Beautiful Mind. How dare you? It's better than Wild Tales. It's better than Ben-Hur. Is it better than Singing in the Rain? I think it is. I think it's better than Singing in the Rain. But I don't think it's better than you, Jimbo. Okay. So I'm going to put it at number 22 on my list. What about you, Dean? I'm also going to start at the bottom. My current lowest-ranked film is Ben-Hur, and that's not about to change anytime soon. So it's definitely better than Ben-Hur. Next up, Singing in the Rain. I do think it's better than Singing in the Rain. It's also better than Yo Jimbo, but no, it's also better than City Lights. So I'm going to put it above City Lights, but below Some Like It Hot which will be the 22nd ranked film out of 26. Same as me. Very good. Hi, I'm Carla. And I'm Michael. And we're Go Postal Podcast. We're the podcast that tells you stories about what people have done while drunk, while also giving you some facts about boobs, booze, and the bazaar in the places where these stories take place. We also have a weekly contest where you tell us where the F I am. So join us for some drinking, learning, and laughing. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Find us online at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GoPostalPodcast and send us your drunk ramblings and anecdotes. You can also email your stories to GoPostalPodcast at gmail.com. Alfie Dezane. Ciao. Hey, listeners. We just want to take a quick second to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show, to get our name out there, and there are a couple of ways you could help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. You know, let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and all the other podcast catches you can search for. We're probably on there. And hey, if you find one we're not on, let us know so we can fix it. You can contact us on Twitter at IMDB Journey, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash IMDB Journey, our Letterboxd page at letterboxd.com slash IMDB Journey, or you can email us at imdbjourney at gmail.com. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And Dean, we got another review this week on iTunes from last week's Pod V Pod contestants, Doody Dootrum from the Shaken Not Nerd podcast. The IMDb Journey podcast is a rare podcast where you can find any episode and feel right at home. You instantly connect with the host Dean and Daniel, entertaining, funny, and two thumbs up. I think that's the first time you've been mentioned first in anything we've done. It's always Daniel and Dean. Is it? I hadn't noticed these little things that build your ego up so much. Well, it would be hard to see it from all the way down there. What does that even mean? Because my ego's so big. You're an idiot. Nonetheless, thanks a lot for that review, Duty. Thank you very much, Duty. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, then why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down other films not on the IMDb Top 250. Yeah, that's right. What have we got coming up this week, Hendo? Well, Dean, we've just kicked off our Die Hard series, and we're just about to release... Die Hard 2, which is very interesting considering it's basically our one-year anniversary since we broke down Die Hard on our first episode ever. So, fascinating to go back and watch the second one and see how that plays to the very first Die Hard. Absolutely. So, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws? which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes. I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. All right, it's time to get into... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. And it's just the one review this week, and it's from... Cool Hand Luke stars a young Paul Newman as a cheeky and grinning rebel who is sentenced to two years prison with outdoor labour for minor vandalism. Almost the entire film captures Luke's stay in the prison compound and surrounding areas. I found this film to be pretty realistic and an enjoyable, entertaining experience. The villains of the film aren't exaggerated and they seem to have something of a conscience, even though their aims aren't in line with the heroes. And the heroes, while we are rooting for them, still have a dark streak about them. So in that way, the film feels balanced and well-measured. Even though they are prisoners who have committed crimes, you can't help but feel for the inmates and the labours they are forced to endure. It's never really brought up whether what's happening to them is just. You're sort of just left to make up your own mind about that. In the world of the movie, they just have to accept that's how things are. Of course, they are all partly to blame. The characters are interesting, and while I wasn't always understanding everything that's happening, 
The story was good enough that I never wanted to turn it off. Good movie. Of course, if it was made today, it would be just another movie. Not in the IMDb Top 250. Fair point, Shane. Thank you very much, Shane. All right, let's get into this week's... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you is, what is your favourite prison film? Kevin Brackett says, does Inside Man count? I would say no. I don't think it would either. No. Now, is this for one? And the runner-up is said Paddington 2. Solid choice. There's some prison in there. Yeah. Invasion of the Remake says, toss up between The Rock and Escape from Alcatraz. Do you consider The Rock a prison film? I think we had this discussion off air uh, last week when we talked about the question. I mean, it's set in, in a, a prison. In a prison. No one's in prison, though. Yeah, it's... it's. Oh, oh, I wouldn't personally consider it a prison film. Yeah, when you think of prison films, you think of people actually in prison dealing yeah. with prison stuff. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, one of our favourites, patron Ben Mulverhill, said The Shawshank Redemption and it's not even close. Low Carb Monster 8 has Shot Caller. Very good film that we checked out earlier on in the year. Yep. Lisa C, of course, there's a Shawshank Redemption. As does Miscast Entertainment. A podcast about something said the hurricane is highly underrated. Hmm. <laughs> what the FFF podcast says, does prisoners count? Had prison in the title. Fair point, yeah. but no. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie Lambert said Escape from New York counts and no one can convince me otherwise. I haven't seen Escape from New York. I have not either. Moving on. <laughs> Movie Reviews in 20Qs says, There's a reason why The Shawshank Redemption is number one on IMDb. Got a lot of love for Con Air, though. Again, mm, do you consider that a prison I don't, film? I definitely don't consider that a prison film. It's more of a prison film than The Rock. Yeah, well, it actually has some people in prison. But I was going to say, in The Rock, you have the uh, the tourists in the prisons. They get locked up in there. Yeah. Let's just say no to both of them. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that Nick Cage 90s trilogy, Face Off could be a prison film. He's in prison for a bit there. Yeah, it's true. From Gordon Elliott, Papillon. Papillon? That movie. Hands down is my favourite prison film. Great book with more detail than the movie, but a flawless movie on its own. Steve McQueen, Dustin Hoffman. From Films on Trial, The Escapist. Little Gems starring Brian Cox and Damian Lewis. I definitely recommend if you guys haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I haven't even heard of it. No, me neither. Another one of our favourites, Patron Eliani Silvermist says The Green Mile. Surprised that hasn't come up yet. Yeah. From the Huh podcast, Bronson. You seen Bronson? Nah. You? I really want to see Bronson. I've heard good things Me about too. it. I mean, yeah. it's a highly rated prison film with Tom Hardy. Yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> Jeffrey Kerr says Chicago. What do you think about that one for a prison film? Haven't seen it. Chicago? Have you all seen Chicago? Nope. Oh my God, I thought you'd seen it. Not once. Is it good? Yeah, it's okay. I don't yeah. mind it. I saw it once last year, and I thought it was okay. Really? Yeah. Huh. Irony Maiden said Midnight Express. From Maria Emma, Murder in the First, 1995 with Kevin Bacon and Gary Oldman. Good Again, film. Another one I haven't seen. Uh, it's really good. Cool. Take your word for it. And over on our Facebook page from Ryan Udding, In the Name of the Father. Terrible or movie. Shut up. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. It's disgustingly bad. No, it is not. Good choice. Ryan, what's his other one? Chopper. Chopper. I can get on board with that. Taylor Salmon says The Longest Yard. I assume she means the Adam Sandler remake. Of course. Which uh, I don't... Probably doesn't know that there was an original. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. Have you seen the Adam Sandler one? Yeah, I saw it twice at cinemas and really don't like it. Yeah, you're not a big sports... Uh, I wouldn't say sports movie fan. You're more like the American football, you don't like that. No, I don't like that at all. Nah, yeah, I didn't think... I didn't. Yeah, I remember you saying you weren't a big uh, fan of yeah, like, American nah. football movies. Nah, bore me to tears. Next up, from good friend Brent Vandervolk, Papillon. And when asked which version, he said the original. Absolutely. Thanks, Brent. 
Josephine Olnitz has a great pick here in The Name of the Father. Oh. It's my all-time favourite film, so that goes without saying. Must have only ever seen one movie. And lastly, from the Dare Daniel podcast, Chopper was great. Really enjoyed Brawl in Cell Block 99. But i got to go, Escape from Alcatraz. Another movie I haven't seen. So thank you, everyone, for your answers there and for everyone else who put an answer in. But, Dean, let's get into our top five prison films. Let's do it. All right, Dean, kick it off. What's your number five film? Number five, we haven't mentioned yet. Fallon. Okay, nice. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, really? No. Oh, you really should. It's really good. Yeah, I'll get to that. Val Kilmer's really good now. I'll take your word for it for now. All right, what's your number five? My number five is The Great Escape. Okay, that's actually one I'm really looking forward to watching for our breakdowns because I think the last time I saw it was probably like eight. Oh, really? Yeah, like I remember watching it in my very first house I lived in and I, all I remember, it's really long and he rides a motorcycle. Okay. So I am actually looking forward to rewatching that. Cool. My number four is Shot Caller. Again, same director from Fallon. Um, definitely improved with uh, Nikolai Kostov. And Valdo. He's, yep, he's really good in it. And it's a really, really, really realistic movie. And if you haven't seen Fallon or Shot Caller, really recommend you see him. Yeah, I think I would have had Shot Caller at number six on my list. Okay. But my number four is The Bridge Over the River Kauai. It's not Kauai, it's Kauai. How do you know? Have you seen the movie? Yes. Where is it on your list then? I mean, I've still got three spots to go. I don't believe it's in there. Do you know what my number three is? No, but I don't believe it's in there. It's quiet. And watch him change it. Quiet, don't you believe me? Yeah, I'll pay that. That was good. Thank you. It's about time you paid one. Number three, Dean. Uh, The Hurricane. Yeah, I told you. You're I really, really like The Hurricane. I've actually rewatched it a number of times. Again, as someone said on Twitter, it is underrated. No one really ever talks about The Hurricane. Denzel is enormous in that film. Yes, he is. I haven't seen that for a little while. I think you actually made me watch that in one of our little you watch this movie, I watch this movie type deals. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, and I enjoyed it. Not enough for the top five, but I Bob did Dylan, enjoy it. Great song. Yes, indeed. All right, my number three, which I'll be absolutely shocked if it's not on one of your top two spots, in the name of the Father. Really? What? You're not on your it, list? You're doing it to annoy me. What, that I said it's on your list? You or actually the... put that at your number three. This is you well known. So full of shit at her. This is well known that I really, really like this movie. Well known to who? To you! <laughs> <laughs> you dickhead. Clearly not. Why else would I have got you to watch it? For pain and punishment? Yes. You got me to watch Fifty Shades Freed or whatever it was. I did that laughingly. I would rather watch Fifty Shades Freed again than watch In the Name of the Father again. I did that lovingly. No, you did not. Did you say you did that laughingly first? Yes. Laughingly and lovingly. Okay. Now, I am 100% sure we have the same one and two. Is it the same order, though? It has. Yeah, it it is. There's (laughs) no way it's not. My number two is The Green Mile. Me too. And our number one is obviously... The Shawshank Redemption. Never a doubt. Uh, I think a lot of people pointed it out that it was probably going to be our number one. Yeah. Yep. All right. And for next week's question of the week, we're going to ask you, what is your favorite film that we've broken down? So we've done 26 movies so far. So you guys can choose which one's your favorite. And our top five isn't going to be that because you guys obviously know what our favorites are. We've got a ranking system. So for next week, considering it is actually our one year anniversary next week. So we thought we'd dip back and we're going to give you our personal top five openers that we have done for our podcast. Very nice. It's going to be good to go back and listen to a couple of those gems that we made up. (laughs) All right, let's get into last week's Pod v Pod 9 results where we took on Duty and the Tom from Shaken Not Nerd in a movie draft of MCU films not starring Iron Man. And just to recap here, we had Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange, Thor and Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
And the guys over at Shaken Not Nerd had Captain America the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Captain America the First Avenger, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Let's take a look at a couple of responses here. First one here from the Contrarians. They were neck and neck until they got to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Boo! Team IMDB gets my vote. We watched a thing followed on from that saying, I agree, no way a list with Volume 2 in it should be anywhere near that close. Sam from the Movie Reviews and 20Q's podcast said, Sorry guys, as much as I love me some Ragnarok and Black Panther, Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy are one and three on my top five films in the MCU. Strong finish though. Well, we had like three movies to pick from. (laughs) Ghost of the Stratosphere said, The team with both Guardians of the Galaxy movies wins. A Mad Scientist said, First Avenger, Winter Soldier, Ant-Man and Guardians Volume 1. Sorry boys, but shake and not nerd, have this by a mile. Films and Trolls say, man, that is a tough one this week. I think you guys just about take it for me. The Tasteless Podcast said, Doctor Strange almost disqualified you, but Ragnarok and Black Panther makes you the clear winner. Very good. From my brother Shane, shaken not nerd, not even close. And finally, from Noah Pate, sorry, but Cap is the man. Shaken Not Nerd definitely got my vote. Well, let's take a look at these results here with 71 votes later. 52% to Shaken Not Nerd. It was 50-50 for a long time. It was. A couple of votes uh, sealed the deal at the end. They just edged us out. Now, for everyone out there who's listened to it, that would look like it is a 2-1 victory for Shaken Not Nerd. However, we actually received some news from Shaken Not Nerd. This is Duty and Tom from Shaken Not Nerd, and we are apologising of our own accord and not under duress. It, it has come to our attention that in last week's episode, we, we made a boo-boo. We are very sorry. AI is composed by John Williams, and our Google list lied to us. The IMDB Journey podcast is the greatest of all podcasts, and far superior to... It's all lies! They've got us to the crossroads at... Well, uh, breaking, breaking news there. So that would actually mean that we tied the first game, we won the second, and we lost the third. So overall, another tie. It's a tie. So duty of the Tom, you're more than welcome to come back on for a rematch. Absolutely. Loved having you guys. Okay, it's time to kick off our series of decades in film tournaments. And we're going to start off with the 1940s. And let's bring in the matches for our eight contestants. We have the number one seed, It's a Wonderful Life, against the number eight seed, The Third Man. We have our number four seed, Citizen Kane, taking on our number five seed, Double Indemnity. Next up is our number two seed, Casablanca, taking on the number seven seed, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And the number three seed, The Great Dictator, taking on the number six seed, Bicycle Thieves. All right, so we'll put those up for you guys to vote on, and we'll see who gets in the final four. And as usual, we'll do our standard bracket draft. And considering that these brackets are a bit quicker than the other ones we're doing, we're just going to go one movie for the loser. Sounds good. So, what's next? All right, it's time to find out what is the next film we're going to be watching. Dean, hit that random number generator and we'll find out what it is. All right, here we go. The next one we're doing is number 23. Another high one. Wow. All right, let's have a look at what that is. That is The Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Wow, awesome. Very nice. Pump for that one. That's going to be great. All right, so we'll bring you that breakdown in a fortnight. But next week, it is our one-year anniversary, Dean. So we have got a big Pod V Pod X up for you guys. Yeah, big episode lined up there. Yeah, we're going to be doubling a lot of that stuff. We're going to have a 10-movie draft. 
10 quiz questions, five actors on the IMDb page. It's going to be a big one. Very nice. Can't wait. A lot of surprises along the way too. I've got a couple of things lined up, my friend. Very nice. We'll also obviously be talking about what else I've been watching. Anything you've seen recently? I think I've watched one movie. So I'm way, way, way behind the eight ball here. I've been super busy. Is anything coming out of the movies this week? Like, is there anything out I should be watching? Bohemian Rhapsody? I really should see that. That's really... I'm hearing a lot of people talking about it at work. Like, it's a great movie. Go see it. As a movie lover, it's annoying that I haven't seen it. I saw that Widows is out in Australia now, so hopefully we'll get a chance to see that. Hopefully. Yep. But I did catch up on Blind Spotting so far. I've seen one of the films you've given me so far in The Line of Fire. I saw Juliet Naked. How was she? You'll find out next week. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next week for our one-year anniversary on Pod v Pod X. Take it easy, everyone. Bye. Bye.